Welcome to Choice Classic Radio. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to us on YouTube, and help keep this show alive by donating at choiceclassicradio.com. For more of your favorite old-time radio shows, join us on our companion podcast, Choice Classic Radio Detectives, where we bring to you tales from the greatest detective shows the golden age of radio had to offer. And now... With 22 episodes made, broadcast on CBS Radio in 1938, we bring to you the Mercury Theater on the Air. Theater on the Air. Orson Welles produces and directs the 19th broadcast in the Mercury Theatre series of dramatized great narratives. There have been a number of famous authors represented in the broadcast, but none so young as Ella St. Joseph, whose name many of us may be hearing for the first time tonight. The story is one which Mr. Wells has long considered, and he takes great pleasure in presenting A Passenger to Bali by Ella St. Joseph, one of the great short novels of recent years. The young author was born in 1911 and gathered material for a passenger to Bali during a trip on a freighter in the Pacific. Though all the characters in his story are imaginary, the hurricane and certain other of the incidents actually took place. The freighter upon which he traveled was making its last voyage, and his story carries the weight of first-hand experience. The Mercury Theater on the Air presents A Passenger to Bali, starring Orson Welles as Dr. Albie Walsh. My name is English, Captain English. Perhaps the telling of this story will take itself in my mind. My last lingering glimpse of walk as I left him. A vision that appears more real in retrospect than it did at the time. It has grown real in the 14 years that have passed. It was what some men call chance and others destiny that link our lives from the dock at Shanghai and a light disrupted them 200 miles out of sea. I merely accepted him as a passenger on the steamship roundabout. A tenth steamer flying the British flag, carrying a crew of three white officers and twenty Kanaka boys, which I owned and put to trade in the Southern Pacific. Over in the sticker every minute. Tammy, that's what it is. There gives you the creep not to see five foot in front of you. Only white wherever you look. Done out and fog is fog. Well, sometimes it is and sometimes it ain't. Superstitious, Mr. Randall? Now, look here, Mr. Stagg. You might be first night, me only second night. We're both sailors, and I says it's a little queer. Oh, God, this ain't natural on the Yancey River this late in the year. The anchor ain't lifted yet. Captain broke. Bad omens, that's what. Poor rat dive overboard this morning. He does him. <laughs> we don't want to joke about a thing like that. That wreck's leaving a ship. No seafaring man is. Shanghai. What's the 
What are they sneaking around here for? Like blooming ghosts. Up to them, maybe. Yeah. It may be worse, eh? What I want to know is what brings them here. Here, Mr. Shed, in the roundabout. I got a feeling about this here ship, gentlemen. Oh, that's you, Mr. Angle. Yes, Captain English. Hey, finish putting the call on board. Will you pay them off as quickly as possible? Yes, I'll do that, Captain. Time's money. That's what I said. Very pardon yes. Notice how she's closing in. Blowing right up the river in our faces with luck. Mr. Stack. Have you noticed anything... anything unusual tonight? Like what? Oh, for one thing, Shanghai Port Police. Yes, I did, sir. Not more than a minute back, the launch went by. Anything wrong, Captain? No, I'm certain of it. You should have been out of the harbor and down the river two hours ago. Well, what would be in the wind, Captain? Just for instance, some sort of trouble on the waterfront, I suspect. I knew something was brewing when we had trouble getting our deck hands. Oh. Is that all, sir? I was worried for a minute. <laughs> it's quite enough, Mr. Stagg. You can go right on being worried. You know, I thought from the way them police looked, it might have something to do with us, sir. What? Is it roundabout? Personal life. Well, it will if we don't clear this harbor. Yeah. Not about a pretty world where peaceful men have to go about carrying a gun. Never knew you to talk one of them before. Protection, huh? From what, sir? From the Yankee gang here. From the river pirates that shot it. From my own Kanaka boys, if they get the right meaning of the wrong words. From such a night as this. Captain. Is you, Captain? Yes, Mr. Angle. I paid that clothing gang double quick, Captain. What I says is, save time, save money. Right? Time's money. Right you are, Mr. Angle. We've got precious little of both of them. Well, let's be off. Give the orders, Mr. Stagg. Yes, sir. time I heard that man's voice calling my name. It's been ringing in my ears ever since. That was the first time I saw his enormous figure in his bell-shaped greatcoat. A figure that haunts me still. Haunts me. Mind why I accept no more responsibility for his end. If, if it was an end, than I do for his emergence from the fog at night. Yes? Who is it? By the honor of addressing Captain English, the roundabout. I am Captain English. Allow me to introduce myself, Captain English. I am the Reverend Dr. Rob Walks, a Dutch missionary. A missionary, Captain, bound for Bali, there to distribute Bibles and spread the word of the Lord. Oh, well, what can I do for you? Your hand, sir. The Lord has brought us together tonight, Captain. What the Lord has put together, let no man put asunder. <laughs> Isn't that your marriage sermon, Dr. Walk? Well, Captain, uh, our first meeting was a marriage. Or a parting. Uh, Captain. So, you're looking at this thing men call my face. Have you seen it before? No. Good. So much the better. Then we could start from scratch. Captain. Captain. Ready to rise. I'll be with you in a moment, Mr. Stack. me. You think we're ready to sail, is it? I'm not giving to wasting words in mundane affairs, Captain English. Not I. I save my breath. You see how brief, how very brief I can be. Captain English, I am told that your boat puts in at good along the port of Bali. Is that correct? Quite. In that case, here you will find a Dutch passport, several papers for identification, mostly a clerical, and about 400 in American dollars. Be good enough to examine them. If the papers, the money, and myself meet with your approval, I shall sail with you tonight. Oh. Well, your passport seems in order. The photograph is... is you? Yes. My shadow in the sun. Yet a man must hold his shadow or lose the earth that falls on. 
there, Captain. These are things proper. These letters. Uh, testimonials of faith, sir. The money. Testimonials of faith, sir. Another card. Well, I'm afraid it's unfeasible, Doctor Walks. They're roundabout as a trading scheme. Name your price. Oh, I admit you tempt me. His funds are a bit low right now. Now's the time then. Decide, sir. You own the ship as well as commander. Yes, yes, I know. Then hoist your British flag, Captain, and be off with your Dutch passengers. Wait a minute. You say you're a Dutchman. Guess you don't have much of an accent. Captain English, the Lord speaks in many tongues. It's odd that you should have waited until the last moment, Dr. Walk. His work knows no other time than the present. Very irregular, you understand it. Stepping at the last moment without proper investigation, a stranger who... A stranger? Who... A minister of the Lord. Well, Captain? There's a police launch again. The third time tonight. Well, Captain? Very well. I'll take you. The, uh, meeting, sir. The marriage. <laughs> <laughs> Ten minutes later, with Dr. Walk and his two large packing cases on board, we set sail from Shanghai. The following days faded into each other and blurred into weeks. First it was cold, then it was hot. Nothing disturbed the ordered routine except the presence of Dr. Walk. He threw a palpable shadow over the whole ship. Something you couldn't put your finger on. A sort of restlessness. Unspoken dissension among the crew. Even the officers. They pretended not to notice. And then one day it was useless to pretend any longer. Mr. Wrangler and I were on our way down to the mess room for lunch. And inside, we heard the voice of our Chinese cook. All right, Chinaman, now what more did he say? That's just what he said. He got followed up, lad. Take double. What else did he say? Come on, send it out or I'll break your wrist. What's this, Mr. Stagg? Ask him, sir. Who? No, no, me no, no, Captain. Don't speak, Captain. I think I'd rather hear it from you, Mr. Stagg. Two, let go. Uh, thanks very much, Captain. He's been breaking twice, sir. Gave me some lips, guilty of insubordination. I saw the way he backed out. Your word's enough, Mr. Stagg. Thank you. Oh, I hardly see the necessity for handling it, well, <laughs> handling him as you did over the broken plate. Ah, blast him up. More than the plate. What was it? That's Dutchman, sir. He's up to something. He's been talking to the crow. We will, we'll not discuss the matter any further, Mr. Stagg. Gentlemen, how is it down? Mr. Walker is late for lunch, as usual. You make that for it, he will, when he sees the grab in front of him. Think natural for a man of the cause to eat tonight. And what I say is, how can any man be godly on a full stomach? <laughs> Much easier, I should say, than on an empty one. What use does he put his belly to, I wants to know. Don't bend it to no work. Shoves it into the prow of the boat and stands there all day like a bleeding figurehead. What for? Well, what's a figurehead for? But is it natural, sir? Always to have him ahead of us wherever we go. No deeper the feeling of him taking the boat wherever he wants. He's too big for his clothes, if you ask me. I don't think he's even a reverend. And I don't care if he is or not. He makes my jaw dry. Just the sight of him and that smile of his. There is something queer about him, all right. You feel it yourself, gentlemen. I'd, I'd rather not discuss such a walk. Captain. You can use words better than I can, but I'm right and you know it. It's a bad night when you pick him off the wharf without knowing no more of him than you could see in the fog. Mr. Stagg, are you questioning the behavior of a superior officer? Sorry, sir. It's simply the night. Okay, gentlemen. Another day, another lunch. Yes. Good lunch, sir. Good day, Mr. Walk. Thank you. Well, Mr. Stagg and Mr. Wrangle, I see, prefer the silence. Gentlemen, I have an excellent appetite today. I congratulate you, Dr. Walsh. 
You made a conquest of our cook. The quickest way to a ship's heart is through its belly, sir. So why not go straight to the heart? A practicing missionary, Captain English, cannot afford an impractical idealism. Opportunism, strategy, even lip service, sir. Oh, do you really believe that the end justifies the means? The essential means is strength. The essential end is success. Well, you believe even in violence, then, Dr. Walsh, to attain your end? Even without an end, Captain English. Force. Force, sir. Grab what you can in your fists. Throw the scraps to the weak. Law of nature, sir. Time to kill. Time to heal. Time to break down and the time to build up. You dear, I don't know where you get that kind of talk from. Yes, it's chapter 3, verse 3. Time to be born, a time to die, time to plant, and a time to pluck up that which is planted. You ain't got no right to talk like that. Done only, that's what. What a good mind to report you to your bishop, gentlemen. Read man's past and water. Gentlemen, read man's past and water. Read its future and stand. Today is the time to tear down. Tomorrow's time enough to build. Dead. Yeah, then. I won't sit at the same table with a... With a what, Mr. Stagg? I don't know what. That's no name for the likes of you. Well, Stagg is at his bill. How about you, Mr. Rank? That's the kind of thing you preach to the natives. I'm sorry for it, I am. Excuse me, Captain. And we're alone now, Captain. Are you with me, sir? No, Mr. Walsh. You are with me, on my ship. But you seem to have forgotten. Meanwhile, our passenger consorted with the crew, a companionship I didn't discourage, for it relieved us of his presence. Moreover, there was an epidemic of surreptitious drinking upon this particular trip, difficult to cope with. It seemed to have some connection with him, although what I couldn't tell. He got on altogether too well with the native crew. Night after night, his loud laughter mingled with theirs and carried up to us in the wheelhouse. And then, the evening before we reached Bali... <laughs> listen. Yeah, listen. You could hear it with six foot of dirt near the earth. Try to sleep through that. Look at the nerd Crunching around that lantern like it was a bonfire. And him in the middle of leading him like he was queen of the maid. Ah, oh, shut that door. Captain, are you going to stand for it? What can I do, Put him in chains. Well, we'll be rid of him tomorrow. What about that native crew down there? Is they going to be on board after tomorrow? I'll take my chances with them when Dr. Walsh is ashore. Well, we know you're not scared, sir. It doesn't matter whether you think I'm a coward, Mr. Stagg. Why didn't we know? Yeah, you know, Captain. It's going to be a sad blow to lose our passenger. And to love him, we have. Mm-hmm. Empty, Mr. Stagg. Yes, sir. Ball is in luck to get a man like him. Only an old time he is. Ain't every day we have a passenger like Mr. Walk. Say, what's that? Someone's coming up from the lab. Captain English. What do you want, Mr. Walk? This is the wheelhouse. Passing to another middle. Captain English! What is it? Gift of fortune is bestowed. 
shallow water of Beulah Long. As I leaned across the deck's railing, looking gratefully at the white coastline of the island that was to relieve my ship of its unwelcome passenger, waiting impatiently for the arrival of the government launch, I felt a tap on my shoulder. I glanced backward into the Dutchman's face. An impersonal smile buttered his lips. Captain English, sir, I beg a word with you. Surely, Mr. Walsh, you're not so poor in words that you need to beg one. I would uh, buy it. Oh, no need. If it's farewell, you're welcome to it. Gladly. Captain English, I am a miserable and a repentant sinner. The devil has used me for his own ends. If you can find it in your heart to forgive and forget, Captain English, I am sure we can come to an equitable arrangement. Your conduct is no concern of mine, Dr. Walker. <laughs> Precisely. You weren't paid to watch me, but if you're agreeable, I should now like to make my uh, welfare your business. Here, I have $200 in the currency of God's own country. What's this for? I'm hiring one of your lifeboats for the brief period of a half hour. To get ashore. Things are not yourself yet. Dr. Walk, perhaps I'd better hold your money until you're master of it. I knew I could rely on that discretion. Now for the lifeboat. Very well, sir. As soon as the port authorities have come on board. Oh, no, no, no. Now. I'm afraid that's impossible. Good Lord, man, that's what I'm paying you for. If you think I want to wait on your deck until my papers are inspected. Do I have to explain? I understand you well enough, sir. I prefer not to know the details. I'm as anxious as you to have you off my ship. But if you double the bribe, I wouldn't draw a line to save you. Must I swim for it? I wouldn't if I were you. That's the government launch now. See? Over there on the starboard side. Oh, there. I'll hold her on the oh. And you're naked? Still time. Now listen, man. Your last chance. Yours as well as mine. Listen to me. Get me off this boat. Oh. Take the consequences. I swear it. You ransacked the four corners of the globe. Looking for this minute. Don't let it slip through your fingers. There's eternity in it. A moment later, the authorities came on board. Captain English. Ah, welcome, sir. Are you the captain? I am. I am the Nazi, chief inspector of the port of Furlong. A pleasure, sir. 
We've anticipated your arrival with impatience. We are anxious to clear port as soon as we can. Ah, so? I look over your papers. Bills of lading, cotton goods, manifest. <laughs> Thank you, Captain. Oh. What is this? The declaration. A passenger? You say here is a passenger? As you see. But, uh, what is this passenger doing on your ship? Here is not room for passengers, sir. A missionary. Will you examine his papers, please? A missionary? You are sure? Yes. So? Very peculiar. Oh, I see nothing peculiar about that. But, uh, Captain, there is not the possibility for a missionary here at Bali. What, what's that? We are not uh, permitting a missionary here for many, many years. All the world knows this. I didn't know it, sir. I wouldn't have carried him if I had. I can believe you, Captain. Sir. Well, uh, perhaps now we could see this passenger. Of course. This is sad. Ask Dr. Walks to step to the side of the deck. You call Walks, this man? Yes. Walks, eh? Dr. Walks. And here, Ben Matthews. I wake, the birds sing, the sun is shining. Why is no volcanic eruption warning me that you are coming, Dr. Walk? My good sir, I am the eruption. <laughs> one moment, one moment, I don't understand. You, you, see, you mean you know this man? Certainly, I am knowing this man, your missionary. I am knowing him very well. Oh, he is such a clever how is it possible you are coming as a clergyman here to Bali? It's just so wrong. But what is My it? dear sir, this is the only suit that would fit me. I had no time for shopping. Uh, you're not making clothes big enough to fit you, eh? No. No, nor countries either. Here's my passport, sir. A passport? <laughs> <laughs> this is a forgery. <laughs> a clever forgery. What a pity. You have such a great talent, Mr. Wong. Yes, that's true. Yeah. Such a good copy, this passport. It should be framed. Uh, thank you, sir. If it's that good, I should like it returned for future use. Thank you. <laughs> such a talent. You could have been a Van Eyck, a Van Oster, a Rembrandt, Van Rijn. If only you had been so lucky to be born a Dutchman. What's that? He's not Dutch? No. This gentleman is not a Dutchman. He is not a missionary. He is not even his own name. What is he? Here is an international figure, Captain. Everywhere he goes, he's making trouble. He's making trouble first in the West and now in the East. You have a, a famous man on your boat. Oh, please be clear, sir. What does he do? What has he done? Always he is making trouble with the natives. Last year, 5,000 coolies were following him from the cotton mills in Wuzhou. Not uh, two hours from Shanghai. Uh, six. Six thousand coolies, sir. Yeah, six thousand. I take your pardon. And in Cebu, he was leading the Filipinos in a trouble, but was nearly closing the port. It closed the port. It closed the port, he knows. <laughs> now they have cabled us from Shanghai. He is wanted there by the police, so now he is hoping he is landing here in Bali. But we are being too smart for him. But what's his name? What's his country? What am I to do with him? He has many names, but he has no country. Somebody is knowing, of course, but nobody is telling. The Dutch East Indies are close to him. I do not know where if not close to such a man. <laughs> I doubt you will lose him, ever. But to whom does he belong, Herman Matthews? I refuse to be burdened with him. To have a choice. Uh, Captain, I am sorry for you. Here he is on this ship. He belongs to you. <laughs> Would you turn me into a flying Dutchman, sir? A flying Dutchman, that's right. <laughs> well, that's what you are. <laughs> you will sail <laughs> from now until eternity. 
CBS presentation of Orson Welles and the Mercury Theater on the Air in The Passenger to Bali by Ellis St. Joseph. The play will continue in just a moment. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. We continue now with The Passenger to Bali by Ellis St. Joseph, starring Orson Welles in the role of Robbie Walsh. <laughs> Bali, the first seven days were a week of doomsday. The news of our flying Dutchman flew like a screaming gold upon our mast. In Macassar, Benzomachin, Rembang, Batavia, Koba, Pekan, Singapore, Bangkok, the answers were all the same. Oh, Pekan, you cannot land him here. We don't want him. We won't have him. We want none of him. We know him. He's a pest, a tragic man. We don't want him here. This port is closed to Mr. Walk. Moreover, so long as he is on your ship, the port is closed to your ship. You can't land him here. You can't land him. You can't. Not here. Not here. Not here. Not here. Not here. No. Not here. Not here. Not here. never attempted to escape, although heaven knows we gave him every opportunity. One day, we opened his two packing cases, which he had said were loaded with Bibles. One was filled with gin, the other with empty bottles. It is impossible to say when or how, but slowly, imperceptibly, our passenger came to take possession of the ship and all its crew. The native crew fell more and more deeply under his spell. I was their captain in name. He, in fact. Also, inevitably, as he threw the officer's mind, he outdid all other thoughts until he possessed them by their very hatred of him. He took the restrictions of our forced association far more than he. We were his prisoners, not he ours. And when, at Mr. Pegg's suggestion, a concerted plan was attempted to put walks into Coventry at mealtime, walks without opening his mouth, except to eat or closing it, except to smile, Silence the entire company. He all but emptied our stores with his huge appetite. At last, sacrificing all hope of profit, all hope of everything but emptying our ship of that loathsome passenger, we set our course west under ballast to Shanghai. Shanghai, where he was wanted by the police. Where we took him on. There, he would finally put him off. I felt that the ship would rise five feet out of the water once the lead of the Dutchman's wake. We steamed up the Yankee River early one morning and anchored off Shanghai. The port officials informed us that the British consul was to favor us with a personal visit. It was noon before he came aboard. Captain, Captain English, he is. Mr. Chisholm, the consul. Come in aboard, sir. He's all under his arm like he was going to Geneva. And a monocle in his eye like the rising sun. But never set on the British Empire. Ah, Mr. Chisholm. I'm Captain English. Oh, yes, yes. Very nice to meet you. If you'll excuse us, Mr. Randall, I'd like yes, to... Yes, yes. I'm grateful for you, sir, to take so much trouble to come down personally to... Well, not at all, my dear man. The Chinese port authorities informed me of your predicament to ask me to handle it in my own manner. Oh, so much the better for all of us. According to your specific instructions. Ah, I don't understand. My dear fellow, don't try. It's diplomacy. Only the stupid try to understand diplomacy. And they spoiled the game for the rest of us. Uh, like playing blind man's bust with a really blind man and that makes it too macabre. Uh, I say, uh, won't you ask me to sit down? Oh, please, please. Thank you. Uh, I say, there's a cold draft on my back. Would you mind closing the door? Thanks, the draft. Oh, Mr. Dear Boy, the diplomatic way of suggesting you may be overheard. Oh, uh, 
Now, Mr. Chisholm. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Oh, there, there. The police hadn't begun. Oh, to be sure, you're flying justly. Yes, I'm awaiting your verdict. Incredible man. Incredible situation. Unendurable, sir. Well, of course, you can't stand him here. Shanghai doesn't want him. He'd uh, better take him somewhere else. What did you say? Your passenger, who what's his name, and Mr. Walk. The men's a bounder, you know. Shanghai. He's quoted as bounder. I, I understood. Shanghai wants him. The police are looking for him. They're there. They aren't now. But how can that be? You never put it, my dear fellow. It's the philosophy of the sea. If you have them, you hunt them. If you don't, you don't go looking for them. Did, did the Chinese tell you to say that? The thought is there to praise his man. Good heavens, but how, how can they refuse him if he's broken their laws? Mr. Walk should certainly be arrested if he sets foot on land, but he will not be given the opportunity. He says the Chinese government a complicated legal procedure which makes his embarrassment. And what of my embarrassment? And that's why he thinks he's with a troubling expense providing for him. And what of my trouble? What of my expense? Well, my dear man, half leads for you, of course, with uh, a humorous aspect. What is it? What does he say? If one suspends one's emotions and... You, Mr. Chisholm? All very well for you. But what of me? I'm the butt of the joke. Yes, Our man is on my boat and I can't get rid of him. No port will accept him. Worse than that, no port will receive us while he's on board. They've turned him into a flying Dutchman. And they've turned us into a phantom ship. My crew is not allowed to land. Not even to desert. Do you realize what it is? The sentence of death. Wholesale slaughter. What have I you done to deserve this? That question, then, is there nothing to be done with him? Absolutely nothing. I am afraid you are still a passenger in another country. I am faithful in the face of that. Then what, what can you do for me, Mr. Chisholm? Am I expected to sail around the world all the rest of my days? It's that way, doesn't it? I'll shut on the ship first. Not a bad idea. Oh, I, I think that at least you, Mr. Chisholm, believe you. I might suggest. Yes, yes. Mr. Walk is a child of nature. He relies upon force. You like me, force is his force. Force? Remember this, my dear Captain. The man you have on your ship carries no passport. He's claimed by no country. Legally, he doesn't exist. As such, no flag protects him. He has no rights. And, uh, if he were suddenly to, uh, disappear, no question would be asked. Do you follow me? Yes. If I were uh, in your shoes, Captain, I'd uh, go for a walk with him on some dark night. Around the deck, talk. You know, talk. Keep on talking to him until you come to the railing's end. And then... But... That's murder. I fail to see how you can murder a man who doesn't exist. He does exist. But none of you seem to realize. He's a man. The same as you and I. He might commit suicide, you know. Well, I must leave now. I shall anticipate a bit in the fourth that your passenger does not exist. I found no one on the boat that the most resembles Mr. Walk. I hope everyone is moving so that we must notice this coming. This the English consul. The august representative of Great Britain. As I was saying, Captain, I should report that there is no such person as Mr. Walk. Your passenger doesn't exist. Nevertheless, I must take the proper precaution. I shall report that I found plague on board. Mm, cholera, I think. Would you turn me into a disease? <laughs> no, a bubonic would be better. Your ship, your ship will be placed in quarantine. Needless to say, no one will be allowed on or off, and uh, you will depart as soon as possible. Shall I swing a bell and shout unclean, unclean? China can control bubonic. But she has no antidote for Mr. Walk. You are quite clear, Mr. Chisholm. Today, my dear Captain. No! Sir. I don't! I'm big enough to do it your way. I wouldn't try to pass where with you I'm a catching disease. I warn you. The captain and the crew have caught me, and I'm fatal to them. When I'm in your way, you've got to take notice of me. Why haven't I do it? After all, it's all true. 
they leave. My permission. Well, Captain English, we are as we were. No, Mr. Ross. No, how so? Shanghai, your last chance to lose me is out of yours. No. No? I must take Mr. Chisholm's advice. Suggested one more port, still another. Is there such a place, such a land on earth? I have no doubt. They will accept you there. Will they? I'd hardly have thought it possible. Even if I were to die, I doubt if you would lose me. You'd probably carry me back and forth between heaven. <laughs> Mr. Walks was still on board when the roundabout weighed anchor and passed to the river out to sea. At night, the ship began to roll. The barometer fell. We headed the ship into the wind. I was unable to stay in the wheelhouse, alone with my thoughts. Mr. Chisholm's whisper was blowing like a foghorn through my brain, urging me. I fled to the deck in the welcome company of my two mates. Mr. Rango. Yes, yes. Report to the wheelhouse. Take the wheel yourself, and don't let it out of your hands. Very good, sir. And Mr. Rango. Yes, sir. If the wheel starts to kick up, call me. We may need to latch up. Yes, sir. The sir. Well, we're in typhoon waters, Mr. Stagg. Bastard. Well, we're in typhoon waters, Mr. Stagg. It's past the season, ain't it? A shark's tail is more dangerous than its tooth. I don't like the look of that hammered water or those oily clouds on the horizon. Captain, I've been thinking a good deal these last few days about... You know, this situation of ours. About what? Now, I got an idea. What is it? I don't know how to say it. Well, why not? What's to keep us from giving them a light boat and some food and setting them adrift? Uh, to death. Well, we wouldn't be there to see it, would we? No, that's impossible. It's inhuman. I suppose you'd sooner see him drown. Kinder, eh? Drown? Why not, sir? It's going to be a dark night, isn't it? A man fell overboard tonight. Who told you to say that? Why, nobody. It's the hungry. Listen, sir. We can't carry him from now until the day of judgment. If he were on land, the law would do it for us. You're the law, see? I had a truth to this, sir. Think of him, sir. You think it'll be pleasant for him to spend the rest of his life at sea? Never to put foot on land? Have you thought of that? I thought of it. I, I, I don't want to see He's a Jonah, I tell you. He'll be thrown to the whales. It isn't safe to have him on board. I told you before, you're not allowed in the wheelhouse. Never. Never. I wish to speak with you. I have nothing to say to you. But I insist, do we? Take a turn about the deck. You're up. Very well. To be brief, the storm coming. It's dark night, say, but perhaps we won't notice it if we talk, you know. Talk. Keep on talking. Huh. Let's stop. No, no, let, 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 let me go in. Railings in. Well, this is an excellent place. Chance guided us. Your accidents. The railings in. I must go onto the bridge, Dr. Walk. Tell me, sir. Why do you hate me? What? I... This is no time for equivocation. If you must spare me, spare me that. Give me the reason, one good reason, why you hate me. Uh, you tricked me into accepting you on this boat, knowing very well what would happen if you were caught. But your animosity began long before you knew me, for the villain I am. You had a demoralizing influence on the whole crew? Before that, that, sir, it began before that. Well, uh, good idea. Captain English, think back. Certainly it began before I attempted to corrupt you with my ideas. It, it began 
Yes? The night I picked you up off the wharf, I suffered a physical revulsion the moment I laid eyes on you. I found my reasons later. That night, Mr. Walk, I disliked you without cause. Thank you. You disliked me before you knew anything about me. And you must have disliked me for some reason. Some reason within yourself, Captain. Perhaps you do right to blame me for making you conscious of it. Mr. Walk, I must go to the bridge. Wait a minute. You owe me responsibility for the undesired linking of our lives. That's no responsibility. It's yours to blame. Not I. You and the civilized world, you They bound me to you. Let me go. Let go my arm. Civilization is blocking Well, 
much that it has pleased Almighty God with his great mercy to take unto himself the soul of our dear brother, Angus Randall, who had departed. We therefore commit his body to the deep, to be turned into corruption, looking for the resurrection of the body when the sea shall give up her dead and the life of the world to come. For our Lord Jesus Christ, with his coming, shall change our vile body that it may be like his glorious body, according to the mighty working whereby he is able to do all things to himself. Amen. Next morning, he took soul of the havoc, through heaving silvery water and swirling fog, around about drifted aimlessly. Lifting thirty degrees to starboard, the ship was a corpse, floating, face upward, wrecked and mangled beyond all recognition. All but one lifeboat was stove in or gone. Four Kanaka boys had been washed overboard, others had broken limbs. None of us was without a bruise of one kind or another. We took our bearings. We were two hundred miles off the coast of China. We had no wireless. In the roundabout, past control or repair might sink before she was sighted by another vessel. After a brief consultation with Mr. Stagg, I decided to abandon the ship. Are your mind made up, Captain? Yes, Mr. Stagg. All men on deck? Yes, sir. And then, and who was in ringing the ship's bell? Uh, oh. No, sir. Oh, well. Oh, yes. Shut up, boss. Well, Captain. The bell's ringing by itself. Talking about. Around about it no more. This is manifold, the vast boat that is the whole world. The mountains are a mass. The nails of her hull are a pivot to the moon. Her cables are the circumference of St. Peter's dome. And extend around the globe. The ship is sinking, Mr. Walk. I've more to do than listen to fairy tales. Fairy tales is more spoken than the use of all. True. Go get provisions and water ready. I tell you, this is manifold. Captain Manifold about you. No time for you, Mr. Walsh. Captain, this is not two sets I hear. Then you both of you can keep a log and one of them in the boat. Yes. I'll take the other. Yes. Abandon ship, right? Abandon ship! 
All right, take it easy there. Don't stop. Careful, men. Watch it. One at a time. Captain, this time I obey your orders gladly. It wasn't meant for you, Mr. Walk. You are not going. What's that? You always wanted my ship. I'm giving her to you. She's yours. I'm not going! Now you're the captain. I need to remind you of a captain's duty to stay with his ship you when... leave me on the roundabout? You may float for a week or an hour. You'll be safe for a while. And there'll be food enough even for you. I wish you a pleasant journey wherever you're going. I'll see you rock first. The one consideration that might have made me take you was my gratitude for what you did last night. But your explanation has made things clear. Ready, Mr. Stagg? Yes, sir. Into the lifeboat, please. No, Mr. Norton, sir. Well, Captain, I have no excuse. I'm the lowest of the low. My home is deeper than the grave, deeper than the sea. You're right to desert me. It's only justice. And there's nothing more to say. Now, stay. The ship won't sink while a dying man repents. I am evil. Vile. I deserve the crown, and yet... Have you no pity, Captain? No charity? No mercy. Oil, you called it. Oh, I was drunk. You sure? I had a mother. I don't believe it. I don't ask to be excused, only to be forgiven. I forgive you, Mr. Walk, and forget you. Into the boat, then. Take your time, sir. Take your time now. Goodbye, Mr. Walk. Not so soon. Don't forget I'm your chatter, your doppelganger. Get doomsday passengers. Mr. Walk, I warn you. The end of your world, Captain. The beginning of mine. You'll stay on the roundabout. I'll take the light. Look out, Captain. Mr. Walk, stand back. Your voice isn't loud enough for me to hear. Stay where you are. Now, if I shout through the muzzle of this gun, you may hear the whisper. Okay. To end this way, I will move heaven and earth. Heaven and earth will stay where they are, sir. And so will I. Ready to lower the boat, sir. I'm coming, Mr. Stagg. I section to walk. You'll need it. Not I. I'll shoot the sun and stars with more than a six. And before I die, get along, sir, whistle for the wind. We'll be meeting soon again. Lower away. Lower away. with no other sound than the movement of our oars. Walk followed us around the deck and finally lifted his hands and waved. He moved apart as the loom of the great hull grew shadowy, only a little heavier and darker than the enveloping whiteness. His colossal figure, like a ghostly apparition, appeared to dwarf the vessel. The roundabout rose gradually out of the blackened silver water, and he, too, in midair, and so awaiting a message. Then the hulk dilated in the fog and faded on the horizon like sea mist in the morning sun. We could see nothing. Our own strange faces dimly in the murky light. Tonight, the Columbia Broadcasting System and its affiliated stations have presented the Mercury Theater on the Air in its 19th broadcast of Dramatized Great Narrative. The story was A Passenger to Bali by Ella St. Joseph. The adaptation for radio was made by the author himself, and Orson Welles directed the entire production. In the cast tonight were Captain English, played by George Toloris, Mr. Stagg, Frank Reddick, Mr. Wrangle, Eustace Wyatt, Ben Mattis, Ray Collins, Mr. Chisholm, Alfred Shirley, and Mr. Walk, Orson Welles. The orchestra was directed by Bernard Herman and Davidson Taylor supervised the production for CBS. Your announcer is Dan Seymour. Oh.
Sunday night at 8 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, Orson Welles and the Mercury Theater on the air will bring to life a masterpiece of humor. Pickwick Papers by Charles Dickens. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. That concludes today's episode. We'd like to thank you and remind you to donate at choiceclassicradio.com. Remember, your donations make episodes like this possible.